Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Follen. Thanks for listening. Here we go then with another one supported as ever by the podcast host. If you are thinking about starting your own podcast, then talk to them first. They have all the support, all the knowledge, all the courses and technical help too. So check them out via the link at beingfreelance.com. Right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for speechwriter Adrian Simpson. At the beginning, I was breaking even, so I'd run ads and my name would get out there and the speeches that I did sell would cover the ads and then there'd be a bit left over. And then you're just building, building, building all the time. You have to be quite mentally robust in order to sort of put that money out and then let it do what it's got to do. There will be blips. Sometimes it will not work, but it will come back. There's, there's no reason why what was really successful for the last 50 weeks isn't going to be successful for another 50 weeks, but you've just had a blip. You just have to sort of really ride out the storms. Yes, hello. Okay, hope you are having a good week. So Adrian is a speechwriter. That is him. We will speak to him in a moment. Uh, Just to remind you, beingfreelance.com is the website. If you know somebody who is freelance or thinking of going freelance, please spread the love. Share this uh, with them. And uh, yeah, while you're at the website, you can also sign up for the newsletter, which I've been slack on recently, if you're listening to this as it goes out, uh, because of the summer months. But I will be back on it very soon. And and um, sort of sharing articles to do with freelance as well as, of course, details about the latest episode and things like that. And there's also the exclusive free episode of the live show of Being Freelance that we did. It's like a live episode with a panel of four guests instead of just one that we did at a conference in the early bit of the summer of 2016. So you can get that at beingfreelance.com as well. Right now, though, let's crack on and go to East Sussex in the UK and to speechwriter Adrian Simpson. Hey, Adrian. Hello, Steve. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. So how about we get started hearing about how you got started being freelance, how you've ended up where you are today, basically. Well, I mean, if, you, if you're talking about um, my sort of freelance story, that, that all began uh, quite a long time ago, um, back in 2000. In uh, 2000, I was a test driver for a car magazine. And cool. I, yeah, it, yeah, I mean, it sounds cool. Actually, it was a lot. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was okay, but you don't get paid that much. And they kind of um, tempt you with like, free cars and free petrol and stuff to make up for the fact you're... Uh, on less than minimum wage, these publishing companies. But anyway, um, so um, um, and at that point, I was very lucky to get a, uh, a gig on TV, and I then became a freelance television presenter, which lasted for a good 12, 13, 14 years, which sort of blended in with me becoming a speechwriter. So it's it's been going. I've been freelance now for about. Just bang on, it's 16 years, something like that. Wow. So so did you start out as a, as a journalist? That was like your chosen path, as it were. Yeah, well, they, they, no, not really. I started out as a um, – I was a, an English teacher in Japan. And <laughs> then I came back and worked for a Japanese company in the city um, uh, as a trainee trading um, chemicals. And then I left that and went into magazines. So I sort of washed cars for one of the magazines to get a role, got a role on as a test driver. And then um, I went from test driving uh, um, for car magazines for three years onto uh, working on the TV. So it wasn't ever, no, uh, nothing was ever thought out. I didn't actually think of how my career might look like or indeed what I'd become. One thing kind of followed on with the other. I mean, I never intended 
to end up on TV. And I, and I, I mean, certainly never thought I'd be writing speeches, but one thing kind of followed on from the other. How did the TV thing come along? Was it just that somebody came knocking on the magazine's door saying, we need somebody who can... No, I'd like to, I'd like to say that was the... I was so bored and so depressed with how little I was getting paid uh, working as a test driver for a car magazine. I just thought... Um, you know, I'm not getting any younger at the time. I was 26. Most of my friends were well established in careers and had professional qualifications, and I was earning next to nothing. Along with a load of other very sort of like um, sort of uh, spirited and uh, you know intelligent and up for it, you know uh, blokes on car magazines. But I, I just thought I've got to earn some money and I've got to start a career, and it was either be you know to go into PR or go into TV. And I was young enough and stupid enough to think that TV would be a sensible grown-up career choice. So I, <laughs> I then um, I, I went and knocked on their door. I went and knocked on the BBC's door. Um, I rang up the uh, the series producer, and he turned me down. They turned me down a few times. They turned me down a few more times, and then I got a um, a letter saying, "Would I like to come along to a?" screen test and I got that screen test in uh, February of 2000 and by March 2000 I was I was on the team as one of the um, presenters for Top Gear so it was a funny old route and 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 I wouldn't necessarily do it again but the, you know I had a I had a, a you know a great time suddenly you know I was earning okay money and um, I had a different set of options for the future but it was um it was never planned wow what a story so how did that path then turn from that if you see, see what I mean yeah yeah, well, the, what happened? I mean, the, um, I had a great, um, I had a great time on TV for about the first four years, and then I made a whole host of decisions that I thought were sensible at the time, which actually didn't turn out to be very sensible. I turned a lot of TV down. I turned an awful lot of TV down, and unfortunately, I turned a lot of TV down for people who were to be who were going to become very, very influential. Um, <laughs> which was, um, which was, um, because at the time I was doing um, Top Gear. I was the only top, you know, top gear presenter amongst some pretty well-established faces that had been approached by Discovery Channel. I had two series on Discovery Channel. I, you know, I was non-stop working. I was very, very busy. And then people um, came and asked me if I'd like to do daytime TV. Well, at the time, nobody um, on um, uh, primetime TV was doing daytime TV. It wouldn't have ever happened. I mean, the whole thing, the whole landscape's changed now. Where that you get all kinds of um, uh, megastars and celebs doing satellite, you know, or digital TV um, as it is now, um, and doing daytime TV. It didn't happen then. So I turned a lot of work down. I turned it down for people like Jay Hunt, who then went on to become the controller of um, BBC, um, BBC One. She was currently the controller of Channel 4. She did control Channel 5. And um, people like that have long memories. And if you turn them down, um, they remember it. And suddenly, I found myself from being in a very busy position to being very unbusy. And if you are unbusy in TV, and you know, particularly in front of the camera, it's very, very, very difficult to... Um, to, to get work and I just found it incredibly difficult I went from having no free time to having all the free time in the world and that happened over quite abruptly over a period of about a year to 18 months and so I had to come up with different options of, of what to do and I, I kept some TV work going some you know just basically hand to mouth and then then set about trying to find out what the next sort of opportunity would be I mean career I mean had to find a career I was married and had you know kids and starting family and stuff and um and I did um I was worked freelance in property for a bit I um, went abroad and did property abroad I had a, a, a few projects with my wife that we um that we did and we went and lived in Montenegro for a bit and that was when I was um, presenting police camera action at the time so I was doing both of those at the same time and it wasn't until quite a few years later that um I ended up 
in speech writing and I never ever want to do anything else this is um this is it's it's perfect for me it's it's exactly what I was built to do I love every day of going to work and and I couldn't imagine anything anything better than sitting in my office at home writing speeches that's so interesting so how how did you stumble across that yeah no I mean I've always loved writing writing was the thing that I really loved um, the most and and I think if you know if if, if anyone could learn anything from the, the um what uh, I've ended up doing is that I've always loved writing and I've always loved trying to make people laugh and um and that was ever since I was tiny and sure enough I'm at my happiest most productive and fulfilled now that I'm writing and trying to make people laugh so um it was um some friends of mine um, started a stag and hen company called chilisauce.co.uk and um, they started it, they're a couple of mates that I went to university with, it's now the largest provider of stag and hen uh, weekends and experiences in the whole of Europe and they do very nicely and they um, bought a website where there was a function fee for people to get their wedding speeches written and they said would you like to, um, they knew that I was trying to find the next thing um, uh, and a way of earning money so they said would you like to do it and I did it and I, I got a couple got a couple more um, thought it was really good fun thought I would start a, a business around it you know just as a sideline um, started a website put lots and lots and lots of time and effort into understanding um, you know how a digital marketing works understanding how digital advertising works understanding how to reach out to sort of bloggers and, 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 and everything that I didn't know anything at all about, put lots and lots of time and effort into it, and then gradually built a business up whereby um, it started giving me a steady income. And, um, and then it was um, a, a, just a question of, yep, that's what I'm going to do. I absolutely love it. And, and just, um, and yeah, I just made a, a complete uh, beeline for, for, for that being my, um, my business and my, um, and my role in life. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a wedding speechwriter and I, I couldn't be happier. At what point? Because um, I should say, you trade uh, as a company name, right? So, yeah, I, um, I, um, uh, my company. Uh, well, the, uh, the website is called allspeechesgreatandsmall.com. The the company is All Speeches Limited. So, when you set up, you you mentioned you know setting up the website, learning about digital marketing. Is that when you decided? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to call it Adrian Simpson Wedding Speechwriter. I'm going to call it All Speeches Great and Small. That's when you. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, it was um, <laughs> naming it is um, is is interesting because um, uh, I didn't really realise at the time that the name of a website, the URL, has uh, has quite a lot of implications when it comes to organic rankings and stuff. So um, it was just by chance that I had the um, I had the word speeches in it. I mean, it, it, I mean because. <laughs> because if you if you if you obviously got what you do in the URL, um, then um, then it, it really helps when it comes to people finding you. Uh, it's only if you've got huge marketing budgets and um, huge advertising budgets that you can saw yourself Trivago and and blog hotel space. For for people like um, me and everyone else, you have to sort of stick uh, your your keywords in the URL. But for me, it was just a fun name. I liked it. My wife liked it, and I just thought, yeah, I just I just call it that. And it was I would never have set it up as Adrian Simpson because it, that um, it just didn't it, it just it wouldn't it wouldn't have sounded right. Yeah. yeah, I've got a hand it to you in that I've chatted to what nearly seventy freelancers now, yeah. and you are the first one where I struggled to remember your real name, but just kept writing down all speeches great and small. Like what? it was your company name which had stuck in. My, so then I would I would found myself writing Adrian all speeches down. So it's it's a great name. Uh, it, I mean, people do remember it, and and and, yeah. and I, I do a lot of work actually with Google at the moment, and I meet a lot of people through Google, and they all know me as as all speeches. So that's cool. I mean, if <laughs> if if people are remembering me through the company name, that's yeah. great. Yeah. 
just to put this all in context, so because uh, you mentioned the year 2000 earlier. So when was it that you started All Speeches Great and Small? I started All Speeches Great and Small in um, April 2013. Um, I've written, I've been writing speeches for a year before that, but that was um, that was just me, Adrian Simpson, and I had um, uh, you know a Gmail address uh, that that went with it. Um, that's in, in April 2013. That's when I, I got to uh, uh, that. I had that critical mass of inquiries and and conversions, if you like, um, in order to make a, a, a go of it. And that's when I started as a full-time speechwriter. So how did you go about that? Did you hire a company to design your site and to advise you, or did you just sit down and start learning all you could about digital marketing? I have done every single thing myself, <laughs> um, even to the point of I, um, I, I, I just sketched out the first logo for the, for the first website and, um, and stuck that on there. I had a little bit of um, knowledge of WordPress to start with and I understood about themes and and websites so I knew it was very possible to get a uh, a basic good looking website started um, for not very much money and luckily I was able to do that it didn't look a million dollars but it, it did what it had to do it had all the information on there it had who I was it allowed people to contact me it had um, all kinds of bits and pieces on there it was very basic it was it was simply sort of I suppose stylish it wasn't going to win any awards but um I was able to 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 do that for for literally next to nothing I mean all these things are really easy to do if you have the time um, I'm a full believe on the other hand I am now a firm believer in that if you have the money and you've got the budget set aside then it makes perfect sense to um to employ experts to help you and and, and to get things done in the most expedient way but at the time I had all the time in the world um, I wasn't doing anything else. Um, I knew a bit about things, so I did all that myself. And then I ran some Google ads and, and just and then and then worked on, on getting my organic rankings up in order for people to find me. And then just uh, waited and just every spare moment, you know, we're talking to bloggers, trying to get my name out there, talking to different companies about how I could promote myself, and 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 just sort of just worked hard, pretty much eighteen hours a day, seven days a week. Cool. Okay, there's loads of things I'd love to pick up on there. So what did you try out that you found particularly worked for you in building that up marketing-wise? It was um, Google Ads worked really well for me. Um, it wasn't particularly cheap, um, but my product is uh, reassuringly expensive enough that I could basically run ads and and you know, at the beginning I was breaking even. So the, um, I'd run ads and people would, and my name would get out there and the, um, and the, and the speeches that I did sell would cover the ads and then there'll be a bit left over. And then you're just building, building, building all the time. Whereas your, your, um, uh, your revenue is greater than your ad expenditure. And, and that's kind of, um, where I got to, um, eventually they, that really worked for me. Um, linking, um, is and linking as anyone, you know, is listening to this will know organic rankings are still hugely all about, um, links from well-established sites um and in the in the right way google's pretty good at making sure you're doing it in the right way that's that's a lot longer um a process much more involved and it was just much easier for me at the beginning to start with with google ads so for example if i type in i know wedding speech i need a wedding speech writer you're right up there at the top yeah 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 i am yeah Um, As, as as a paid find yeah, as a paid find and all, and also organically. Um, but but at the beginning, um, you know, it, you know, even if you've got the big, um, if you've got a lot of clout behind you with some sort of digital marketing agency, it's still going to take time to get up there. So I'll be up there organically, and also I'll, I'll be up there on the um, 
on, on Google Ads. I mean, that's a belt and braces uh, approach, which even Google, Google advertise Google Ads on Google. So, <laughs> um, so they'll be there organically, and they'll also be at the top on a spurious paid ad. So, yeah, that's 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 what happens. And then, did you also have ads that would appear on other people's sites? No, I've never done that. I've never done that. I think um, um, I've never really uh, thought about that. I mean, people have approached me all the time to put ads on my sites. I, um, I, I just had this thing. I think it looks a bit messy and a bit cheap. And yeah. um, and I don't ever click on ads on other people's sites. Um, I, I, I really, I, it's, it's just noise, visual noise to me. And um, and I, I just, I just, uh, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, so I don't so, so it's all search, paid search in that yes, respect. Yeah. Um, do you obviously put quite a bit of money into marketing you know you said at one point you were sort of barely breaking even on on the money that you were um putting in yeah was there a point where you thought man i'm churning all of this money into these ads like is this really worth you know like was there a point where you almost didn't oh yeah i mean the thing is the first time i put it's, it's a bit like spread betting to me because i was just putting I was putting money and, you know, I was coming from a position where I wasn't particularly loaded at all. You know, I, I hadn't worked properly for or consistently for a, a long time. So I was, what money I did um, have, um, it's, it was a big leap of faith. And suddenly you've seen this money, much money go out the door. You've got a couple of inquiries, but you're not sure if they're going to convert. You're thinking, I'm not sure if sort of I'm mentally built for this. Um, uh, so you have to, you have to be quite mentally robust in order to sort of, put that money out and then let it do what it's got to do. Um, and sometimes it won't. Sometimes, you know, I, 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 I had, you know, the summer months should be really busy for me. But I remember last year, one week in July, it just went flat and there was no reason for it, but it just went flat. And what you've got to, what I now know is you just got to think there will be blips. There will be blips. Sometimes it will not work, but it will come back. There's, there's no reason why what was really successful for the last 50 weeks isn't going to be successful for another 50 weeks, but you've just had a blip. And just for some reason, one week, all those stars aligned, which meant that the inquiries just went down. So you just have to sort of really ride out the storms. Mm. So we've got Google ads yeah, in there. And so then you were reaching out to like wedding bloggers? Yeah, I mean, I, um, it was actually quite a, a, an interesting um, exercise. Um, that coupled with the social media, because I was trying to work out, I, I, you know, I wanted to get links. I wanted to know who the who the who the best people were to talk to in order to get my message out there. And I've actually learned uh, the hard way that, um, and actually by thinking about it a little bit more, that uh, the people I was I was trying to get links from and reach out to were actually the, the wrong people. I was I was linking to wedding bloggers. I was linking to wedding planners. I was linking to anything basically you can think wedding, which may sound sort of like the right thing to do, but it's not because my business is all about blokes. Girls don't um, uh, use a speechwriter. They just they just don't. It's all about blokes. So I um, it, it took me a while to sort of you know understand that what I should be doing when it comes to things like sort of like bloggers and linking and Twitter and everything else is all about men, men's lifestyle, men's um, interest, websites, sports, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the magazine sites, and everything else. Cause that's where they're going. That's where they're talking. That's the things they're, they're interested in. It's, it's all well and good. sort of like, you know, tweeting with like wedding planners and bloggers and stuff like that, but only girls, it, uh, uh, are sort of in those spaces and they, and they just don't get involved in the, um, in the, in the whole speech environment and, 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 and actually more than that, 
men hide the fact that they've used a speechwriter, so they don't want it to cross over into into where the girls are. I mean, it's, it's the same as like you saw people invite me to be on wedding directories and go to wedding, um, you know, events. Um, it's just it's just not where it's at. If you were approaching, say, a, a site which is aiming at men, would you yeah. be writing like a guest post for them or? Yeah, I mean, um, uh, that's kind of what, I mean, it's pretty old school, but uh, it it does work. It'd be uh, like a guest post about, uh, you know, the ins and outs of best man speech or groom speech, how to deliver it, how to write it, what to think about. Um, I'm, I'm now sort of planning a much, now that I can, after two and a half years, I can sort of breathe a little bit. I'm now planning a, a, a much more extensive, more intelligent, more creative sort of plan about how to reach out to those people and what to and what and what to do, which is um, which is something that I'm sort of cooking up at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I, I know I spend a lot of time um, reading and um, looking at digital marketing and everything else, and, and which is actually a hugely interesting part of my job. I mean, you know, writing the speeches is, is one bit, but most of my job is just. 10 tons of like sort of different things about organizing the website marketing ads and everything else and 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 come back to that point that like um google even though things and the algorithms and the updates and everything do move on some things still are sacrosanct to to how they rank you and the most important one are links and if you can um if you like the more links you can get the better quality they are the more stable um your position will be and the higher up it will be so yeah i'm going to spend a bit of time sort of focusing on that yeah so much of what we hear is about content marketing like for your own site i think people think about you know i've got to put a blog on my own site and keep adding content to my own site and google for example will like that but actually putting yourself in front of other people's audiences plus the benefit of getting a link back to you yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah it does make a lot of sense Um, but but having said that i mean the own content the best bit of advice i was ever given when starting that was from a digital marketer who's a, um, a mate of mine. And he said, just make this your site as good as it possibly can be. And by that, he meant make sure the content on there is is really well-written, is intelligent, has lots of information, and just make it as good as you possibly can because um, Google recognized that. And uh, and if you... And if you are, if you've got flimsy sort of pages without anything on them, but you've got you've still got some links, yeah, you might do all right. They might sort of pump you up the, the rankings bit, but they'll never see you as the real deal unless what you've got on your site is the real deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I tell you what, let's just break very quickly and let me remind everyone that this episode is supported by the podcast host. They have all the courses and resources you could possibly need to get a podcast off the ground. And I mean everything. There's plenty of free stuff on there. Their own podcast is very good. But uh, you can also sign up to do courses and also to mentorship groups like masterminds, one-on-one, that kind of stuff. But they also have technical help. So they could, for example, create your artwork or they could create your website or edit your audio and publish it to the world and create the show notes and all of that. So if you're thinking, oh, I want to do a podcast and it sounds fun, but I don't have time, talk to them first and uh, and see how it might work for your business or your hobby. Talk to the podcast host guys first and use the code FREELANCE to save yourself some money at the same time. Details at beingfreelance.com. Right, back to you though, Adrian. And... You also have reviews on your site, as in a, a third-party yeah. review. Is yeah, a, a third-party. Yeah, and that's every single one of the reviews I, I, on my site um, uh, is run through an independent review service. There are about I think twenty-nine that are recognised by Google, um, and you subscribe to them. And what they they act as an independent um, sort of 
governance over these reviews. So anyone that I've written for um, can leave a review. I put widgets and everything else on my um, on, on my site, which link to that review system, and. And yeah, and they can leave a review. And then what that review system does is it takes an invoice number from them and sends that to Google and verifies it with me. So so they know that every single review that appears on there comes from a different um, internet service provider number, has a different invoice number, and is therefore absolutely completely legitimate. That's where I've been able to stand out from all of my competitors because there's not another speechwriter in the world that runs an independent review service and puts it up there to be um, to be shot down. And I, you know, I take a great deal of pride and pleasure in writing these speeches. I don't knock out rubbish. Um, I'm not the cheapest. I'm not the most expensive, but I am luckily the best. And um, and and I'm, I'm quite happy to stand by that uh, with these reviews. I mean, every now and again, I'll get someone who says, "Well, of course they're not real, are they?" You know, you've got 143 reviews and 142 of them are five stars. Well, do you know what? When the guy came and gave me a three star review, I actually thought actually you're doing me quite a favor here because it's it's helping it's helping people to understand that all those reviews are absolutely um, legit yeah. i mean i there's no if someone wanted to give me a zero stars there's nothing i can do to stop them um, yeah. but there's there's a, there's a good reason why i haven't got that and so do you like chase those reviews like how does that process work because it's obviously important to you uh, it is important to me. I um, send uh, an email off at the end of the process and invite anyone to, um, if they'd like to make a review, to make a review. But men being men, once <laughs> once that once that thing is done, once they've got that speech, once they've made that speech, they've moved on. They've completely moved on. Um, so I'm I'm pretty proud that I've managed to get 143 because getting hold of these guys to 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 take five seconds to talk to them on the phone or to get answers for them for the speeches and stuff is impossible. So the fact that 143 had enough time to leave me a review, I'm pretty chuffed with. Yeah, how have you evolved in your pricing? In your because um, I guess it's quite a good thing as a speechwriter, wedding speechwriter, yeah, that you can say, oh, well, this definitely costs this, this definitely, you know, as in you can almost productize it. So how have you evolved that? Um, I, 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 had a, I did a lot of research when I first started. So I knew what the prices were going to be to start with. The, the thing that uh, changed things was um, last year when I became VAT registered. And then I viewed things through the eyes of somebody who was booking one of my speeches. And then suddenly it goes from expensive, but worth it, um, to, to, to very expensive. And so what I had to do was just bring the bring the, uh, the base price down a little bit to soak up some of the VAT. So that is pretty much the only pricing sort of dilemma that I've had. I, I have flat rates for a speech, editing service and templates. And um, and they've stayed pretty constant for the last three years. Every now and again, I'll do a little bit of mucking around and uh, experiment with things, but um, I'm pretty happy with where they are at the moment. Yeah, so the template, uh, at what point did you think think about that? Cause, so that's less, you know, presumably they pay and then they download it and then that's their sort of that's thing? That's it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I sort of did, uh, experimented with that um, last July purely because I, I was having a look at my analytics. There are a lot of people coming to my pages um, and I was converting uh, a decent enough rate, but there are obviously a lot of people there that would have liked the service but couldn't afford it. And so then I had to come up with um, a plan B as to what I could, uh, as to how I could sort of service their needs, um, and they could still get a slice of the all speeches action, um, but at a sort of discounted rate. And um, and that's still work in progress. I'm still working out other ways of how I can sort of um, address 
you know clients need a, a, a more you know a greater sort of no, sorry a more reduced rate um but but without having to sort of like take a hit on quality because um everything that i do has to be of a certain quality because uh, you know um that's how i forge my reputation yeah so it's not one of those things and anything that you do that you you ever want to outsource no no i mean and, and that's the, that's the one you know there's there's some there's some very uh, obvious uh, shortfall shortcomings to to, uh, to uh, you know the, the company or the business and how I run it, and one of them is I'm a central character, um, and um, I won't be able to sell it on, but, um, and, um, and and growing it is going to be pretty difficult because the core of my business is uh, writing really really great funny wedding speeches. I I've spent a lifetime of working of, of working out how to make people laugh and writing and everything else, and I really. And without sounding conceited, and it's not meant to sound conceited, I really love um, the stuff that I come up with, and uh, I do. I mean, obviously, I've, I've been able to make a business out of it, but um, I can't, I can't put that in anyone else's um, uh, power because I just, I just wouldn't be able to trust them to be able to nail things in the way that I want them to be done. And, and I say that sounds horribly conceited. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I've only got one reputation, and if you outsource it, and then suddenly somebody's writing speeches that that aren't hitting the mark then it's kind of hang on a minute this is all going a bit wonky um so yeah it's yeah uh, i can't see myself um i know other people do um i know other people do but let's put it this way they're then they're not the guys running independent review systems on their on their websites mm. you mentioned you were married and you got kids and stuff yeah. like that how have you sort of found the the work-life balance work-life balance was has always been well. It's always been an absolute roller coaster. Um, when I first started in TV, I had no um, spare time, and that was quite difficult. Getting married and starting a family, and then when TV uh, went west, I had all the time in the world. And then to, being freelance um, has been um, at times pretty testing because, um, as you know, when I was out in Montenegro doing property and trying to start the property company, doing freelance property work out there um as one of the guys out there just said adrian um i think he said we're entrepreneurs and when it's good it's very very good and when it's bad it's awful and and that is um and that's kind of how it's been it's been when you're busy you're really really busy when you're not busy you are spectacularly not busy and uh, so i had all that time in the world at the moment since i started um all speeches I haven't had a great uh, work-life balance, I suppose, because I work from an office at home. The computer's always there and it's on and I've always got an idea of what to do next and I've always got a speech to finish and I've always got a speech to mend and, and everything else. I cannot resist it because I'm still in that very in that sort of like honeymoon period, um, which I hope will never end, whereas I love my, what we've created. I, I love writing speeches. I love talking to all the different guys all around the world. And um, and for me, it's it's not work. I mean... Having said that, we did decamp for the whole of the summer to Montenegro and I ran the, the office out of our house in Montenegro and no one obviously knew any different because I'm still using my VoIP number, which is a London number. So I was very lucky in all that I could write speeches in the morning and then be on the beach in the afternoon. So um, I'm getting, I'm achieving more of a, a work-life balance. Now, for instance, now I, will, I, I don't work weekends, but for the first two years I worked every weekend and I worked every evening, uh, pretty mm. much all year round. Um, it's... I mean, I mean, this has been going properly for two and a half years since we started all speeches, and I don't think that I've gone more than two days without working in any in the holidays, Christmas, anything. 
Yeah, I think a lot a lot of people can can ring true to that. It's great when you get to that point where, you know, because it can always be tempting just to keep that going, like to keep on working and working and working. Yeah, well, some people don't ever stop, do they? Yeah, yeah, you know, because you could still work the weekend and do extra work and take that. Is there a point where 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 you do have to turn work down, or do you simply say yes to everything? You should turn work down, and I have turned work down before, but like two years ago, when I first looked, I'd run a spreadsheet on inquiries and what was going on, and I used to turn work down, but I said, you know, there's no way we can do that, but what you're forgetting is there'll always be a dropout. I mean, I'm in the sales industry. I'm selling speeches, so there'll always be a, a dropout from inquiries. So um, I always say yes to absolutely everything now, and um, and that was kind of thing that followed on from being in TV. Just say yes to everything, because um, at the, that was towards the end of my TV career. I thought... If I just said yes to everything, um, I probably would have done all right. And I, could, I, I probably would have kept going. So, yeah, I mean, mm. I should do. I have done. But now I, I always say yes to absolutely everything. Yeah. If someone comes in with last minute or anything else, I'll always, always jump on it. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself, make two true, one a lie, and let <laughs> you figure out the lie. Now, considering yeah. the life that it sounds like you've led, uh, this, yeah. could, this could be interesting. So what yeah. have you got for me? Um, I once auditioned for a boy band. That's fact number one. Um, number two, uh, I um, beat Richard Hammond in a screen test to present Top Gear. And number three, I danced the Kylie Minogue uh, dance Can't Get You Out of My Head before anyone else, before her, uh, uh, in the whole of uh, Europe. Okay, I'm going to start with that one, just yes. so that I can understand it. You danced the Kylie Minogue dance before even Kylie danced the Kylie... How? Were you her choreographer? Like, what's the deal there? My um, uh, wife uh, was the uh, was one of her, well, not one of her, she was the basically <gasps> the, lead, the lead dancer in um, for Kylie for a couple of years. And um, she had a tape through from uh, Mickey Rooney's son, um, who was the choreographer. He sent it over to her and it came to our flat in Wimbledon and she had to learn it and she, I had to learn it with her. So... I learned that, <laughs> that that dance for can't, can't get you out of my head. It's um, a great before, fact if that's before true. Any, for, before anyone else. Did you wear the hot pants? Uh, no, but I, I, yeah. I probably, at the time I probably would look good in them. Yeah, okay, right. Richard Hammond, you beat Richard Hammond. Yes. You've auditioned for a boy band. You see, I'm all, it's quite plausible that you and Hammond could have both been going for something at the same time and then eventually they came back to him. So that's plausible. Yeah. Boy band. Did you even, did you get to find out what the boy band was called? Or were you just um, answering an advert in a paper? Or? No, no, it wasn't. It was through my agent at the time. And um, she said, would you like to do it? And I said, I'm not really into singing. I can't sing. Um, and um, she said, we'll just go along to it. And I've done all these things before, um, which I didn't really want to do, which were like adverts. And I just went there and I went and there was a, basically, it was in a, a studio, small studio in Soho. And there were three people there that were, people queues outside the thing you just go in there you have a chat you sing a bit of a song um and then you're out again and um yeah i didn't get the call back <laughs> oh my god that sounds believable which so he's richard hammond not believe okay um i'm gonna say the richard hammond fact isn't true right okay um i have never ever auditioned for a boy band ah! um, that um, was so believable I am um, in when I auditioned for Top Gear in February. I can even tell you it's February the sixteenth, two thousand. I was going into my audition as Richard Hammond was coming out of it in a full-length black leather jacket, 
<laughs> and um, and I was um, um, and my audition was successful. I got the the job, and Richard Hammond didn't. And um, I know at the time he was absolutely inconsolable because he'd been trying for so long to go into Top Gear, and I rocked up and got. And then I I ended up being a Top Gear presenter for the next year, and of course. I won that little battle, but of course he won the much bigger war, and um, and then eventually got himself on and became a multimillionaire and a global superstar. So, uh, and I ended up writing seats. So that's it. Yeah, what a story. Um, now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Uh, if you try hard enough for long enough, you will get there. Because you know there, there there are going to be some some tough times, and if you're having a tough time and you're you know um, working for you know in a in a company, you can ride those out. You can change jobs, but um, sometimes it's pretty it's pretty hardcore when you're when you've got no support system like that. So um, if I could go back and tell, and there's a bit, and there have been some pretty difficult times. Um, if I could go back and just say, look, if you try hard enough for long enough, um, you you will you will get there. Nice. Um, Adrian, thank you so much. What a story. <laughs> I know. When I read it back, I mean, the thing is, the things like doing the, the property out of Montenegro was, I mean, that was that was out of control. I mean, we we remortgaged the house. Um, we had a house in London. We were um, trying to get houses built in Montenegro whilst I was still trying to do TV work over here whilst we were having children. It was like, you know, it's been nuts. And if you told me, you know, at any point, um, you can go and have a salary job at some company. I would have just bitten your hand off um, <laughs> because it was just it was just too much to 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 cope with at the time. But um, interestingly, just before I started the speech writing company, um, I was offered a really really great job, and it would have been my first full time job, paid job in sixteen years. No, when was it then? Fourteen years. It would have been fourteen years, and it would have been a salary. It would have been a great salary. Um, it was running all the digital marketing um, for uh, Nissan Europe, and um, I and I accepted it and I got the job, and then I I just turned it down. I just thought I can't do it. I cannot do it. Why? Because I just I it wasn't the life that I promised myself. I really wanted to work for myself. I really wanted um, to be in charge of everything that I, I did and could do. And I didn't want to ask people's permission of when I could go on holiday or what I had to wear or, or how I had to act or speak or, you know, or anything else. I just didn't want it and I couldn't do it. And I'd avoided it for all of my adult life. And I just thought, <laughs> I really, I really can't do it. I can't do it. And, and I, and I called them up and, you know, I had, it was the choice of two company cars. It was teeth insurance. It was everything in there. And, like, <laughs> and I just thought, and you know, at the time, I thought, have I made the right decision? And it was very quickly after that that all speeches really sort of began to pick up pace and, and it was purely by luck that it all sort of came off. But at the time I was thinking, I've really cut this one up. I should have taken it. Uh, but if I had taken it, it would have been the wor- it would have been actually the worst decision I'd ever made. So go check out beingfreelance.com. There'll be links through to what Adrian is up to. See some of his work in action, of course, and find him on Twitter. Oh, and while you're there at our site, of course, um, why not subscribe to our newsletter and dig around in amongst all the other guests and have a listen through and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss them in the future. But Adrian, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. And all the best being freelance. Cheers. Thanks, Steve.